The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro. Have a very special episode for you guys this week that I'm really excited about. I'm talking to actor Sean Whalen. Now, you might not know his name, but you'll for sure know his movies. He's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Twister. And it's a movie I talk about on this podcast all the time. I reviewed it a couple weeks ago, and everybody was just like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies, too. I stumbled upon him on TikTok and had to get him on the show, and he agreed to come on talk about Twister. We're going to get into all the behind-the-scenes stuff, how it kind of changed his career, and what it was like working with Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, and Philip Seymour Hoffman on set. A bunch of cool stuff to talk to Sean about, and then we'll also go through all his biggest movies that he was in in the 90s. Like I said, you may not know his name, but you'll remember every single movie that he was in. Everything from Batman Returns, That Thing You Do, Men in Black, Never Been Kissed. He was in all of these movies. And he'll talk about each of those roles and what he remembers from working on those movies. So really fun and kind of nostalgic to go back and talk about these movies from the 90s and what it was like to be in a movie back in the day. And he's also doing a brand new movie with Seth Rogen that comes out next month on HBO Max. So we'll talk about that as well. And like I said, Twister is just one of my favorite movies of all time. And just to be able to talk to somebody from that movie and ask them these geeky questions, I think is really cool to get to do. And if you haven't seen Twister, it's actually on Netflix now. And there's even talk now that they're doing a reboot, so I got to ask him about that, too. So really fun episode for you guys. Without any further ado, let's just get right into it. And if you're not subscribed at this point, if you're not getting brand new episodes every single Monday, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button. Hit that follow button wherever you're listening to this episode now. And if you don't mind, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave that five-star rating and write a quick little review to help me kind of battle out all the other movie podcasts out there and just throw them into the dust. Anyway... Let's get started with this week's episode with Sean Whalen. Talking about Twister, let's go. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, on the phone now with actor Sean Whalen. How's it going, Sean? It is going well. It is going well. Can't complain. 
So just to kind of set this up, how this all kind of started is I was on TikTok the other day and on my For You page, I see your video talking about Twister, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I literally <laughs> just done a review on this podcast talking about how much of an impact that movie has had on me over my lifetime. And then I see you on yeah. TikTok talking about it. So I had to get you on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TikTok's been really fun for that kind of stuff, and and there's a lot of uh, more, there's a lot of interest right now due to the reboot announcement, the announcement of the reboot uh, that they're doing. So uh, I think that's why people are more interested. Plus, it landed on Netflix, so there's like a big. I've noticed a lot of Twister heat going on. So we'll get to that reboot later, but first of all, I want to talk about your role in this movie. So when you first get this part of Alan in it, like how is that character described to you? Uh, it kind of wasn't. They just don't really, it was very open. They, we were just the storm chasers and that we, the only thing we were told is Alan Ruck and myself were told that we were in charge of navigation. Now, you know, this was the nineties. So there was no, uh, app or, you know, Google maps or anything like that or ways or anything. So, we were in charge of what is the best way to get the closest and safest to the tornado or in the quickest, you know, mm. and that's the only thing we knew is that's who we were. So I kind of came, but they did give us a costume. You know, we went book fitting and you saw the kind of costume I had with the backwards baseball hat, the Bugs Bunny shirt and things like that. So I kind of came up with, anything about that character myself but while we hung out with each other so much things just came in the movie were that were just kind of like us pulling around like philip seymour hoffman and i going like food food with our fingers oh, yeah. um that is uh that was because that was what we were doing that summer the fingers thing and we would joke around like that whenever we wanted something we'd go yes yes you know whatever so we did we did that in the movie food food food, food. food. We're absolutely not going. At the end of the movie, you can see people playing rock, paper, scissors as the helicopter goes away. But this is all stuff that we used to do hanging out. But but it is funny now that I'm putting these things on uh, TikTok and stuff, how much people actually liked the cast yeah. and liked the camaraderie and saw that we were friends. Because seriously, 90% of us, I mean... I mean, we all got along really well. Yeah, what's so great about it is first, the cast is just an amazing group of actors. And then I feel like it's, you identify with them being kind of the underdog storm chaser group. And I think that's kind of yeah. what also people just loved about it. Like, oh, it's these just group of people who are like using their own vehicles basically against the big corporate, you know, storm chasers. Yeah, I mean, what was crazy was they cast all these. I mean, Anthony Rapp, star of Broadway's Rent, the, you know, originator of the role in Rent. He was on the bad guy team. You hardly saw him. So they had all these yeah. characters. Ava and Ruby had been around in tons of things. They had this big group of young actors and then just chose who was uh, on what team. You brought up that line about, you know, the food, that food scene. Do you have, yeah. and I think that's kind of something that, there's a bunch of like quotes and lines from this movie that I felt over the years has become part of my vocabulary. Like I use that part oh when I'm talking God. about dinner, like food. Yeah, yeah, it's, so funny so many people will say stuff oh my god i get i used to be known for the milk commercial and say you know you're the milk guy we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit later but i would get that all the time and now after all these years everybody's saying fold the map or don't don't <laughs> fold the map don't fold the map and so when i sign pictures i have a picture you know i do these live things where i sign autographs 
uh, photos on TikTok in the afternoons on Fridays. I do it today. But I sign on that one. There's a picture of me and Alan wrecked by those haystacks. And I write, fold the map <laughs> instead of don't fold the map. Because, you know, people were like, did you actually fold them or not? And I go, well, of course I did. I just lied to them. <laughs> fold the maps. I didn't fold the map. You told me to roll the map, so I folded them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just so funny that, uh, yeah, the, the lexicon and people are saying uh, the wonder of nature, you know, Phil's line. And uh, everyone loves, you know, cows. And that's the same cow, you know, those lines, all these lines. It's, it's just, I, I had no idea, but I think it really taps into this zeitgeist right now, which is really a lot of 90s nostalgia, you know? Mm -hmm. So when, when you guys are filming this movie, a lot of it is, you know, the CGI tornado, the twister in the movie. What are you actually seeing when you're on set? What, what do they tell you to look at or envision in your mind? They, they, they would just point in directions. They would just point in a certain direction. And, you know, we were just looking up a lot. They didn't have, there was very few times that we had anything in the sky because it would be too high. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm. they'll do in movies, you know, if there's something weird supposed to be right in front of you, they'll stick it on a pole or they'll have someone in a suit. Or something. But it was way too high up. So they would just tell us, you know, where to look. And, and right before you do the shot, you'd be in the truck and they're like, okay, where is it? And, you know, they'd say, okay, it's around you know, 10 o'clock, you know, straight ahead is midnight, it's 10 o'clock, and then up, you know, and then they go up, 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 up. Okay, good. That looks good. Look there, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what we would do, you know. And y'all filmed a lot of this so we, in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. 90% uh, of it was in uh, Oklahoma, around the, some, all around the state of Oklahoma. So I remember Bill Paxton back in like 2010, when he was still alive, mm -hmm. he was talking about possibly doing like a Twister 3D version and yeah, but was there before, you know, we've lost Bill Paxton and yeah. Seymour Hoffmore since was there ever a talk? I know there's a reboot happening now, but was there ever a talk with the original cast to do a part two? Bill had been pushing that for so long. Like he was trying to take meetings around town. And, and I remember seeing him at the writer's strike in like 2002, 2003. Um, and we were talking about it. He just said, you know, it's, it's crazy because he said there's never been a huge blockbuster like that that doesn't get a sequel. Yeah. Like it, it was unheard of Jurassic Park. And I mean, uh, everything that did that well always had some sort of a sequel. So it was, it, it, so he was going around pitching it. And I remember thinking, all right, well, the Twister hits a big city, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they'd have to kind of call us in to try to help people and, you know, have the fun of like us wacky dealing with, Straight-laced city scientists, or, you know. I don't know why it never got made. I mean, it could be, listen, Bill and Helen were, didn't get along that well just because they were so, so, so different mm -hmm. in the way they were trained as actors and just their, you know, approaches to life. She's definitely more quiet and reserved. He was definitely gregarious or whatever, and then big, and he was so excited because he'd been in the trenches for a long time, uh, being a side character and he was finally getting a lead. You know, she'd been a lead on a big TV show and stuff like that. So there were different points in their life, different philosophies and things like that. So I don't know if that has something to do with it too, you know? Yeah. I, I, it's still weird to me because I think it's not a big deal. They replace people all the time. If Helen didn't want to do it, it would be Bill and someone else or it would just be Bill um, uh, or just Helen with someone else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know why they never did. But maybe it was just because the 
tornadoes were expensive. I don't know. But it was a huge hit. I mean, it made a lot of money. So how do you feel now, like, 25 years later, them saying they're going to reboot it? Uh, I mean, I it, it makes sense to me. I mean, listen, like I said, there's a, there's a big... When I was growing up in the 70s, everyone was into the 50s, you know, because mm-hmm. it, we had Proc Pops and we had American Graffiti and Happy Days and things like that. And we had these rock and roll revival shows. There's always like this love of 20 years earlier. So there's huge 90s love, right? And now that studios are owned, owned by big corporations, the risk taking is a lot less, you know? So they want to dive. It's the perfect timing. It's perfect timing because that's what people want is these names that they know. And in no way could I have known that Twister meant so much to so many people until I started doing conventions and doing these TikToks and things like that. And no way in the world. So it's crazy. So you say you see it more now. When the movie actually came out, how did it, did it elevate your career? Like what happened then? Yeah, well, well I got in the movie essentially because of the God Milk commercial. Um, the Aaron Burr commercial. A girl in my acting class turned to me and said, your life's about to change. And I said, why? She goes, I work at Ablin Entertainment. Steven Spielberg loves your commercial. I was like, okay. Uh, and so it was like, six months to a year later where we had the audition for Twister when it went national. So my commercial was in California only for two years. And then the third year. So I did it in 93. So it was like 94, 95 when it started to go national. And, you know, I walked in, I didn't really do that much. They were, and the captain was like, he's very hot right now. (laughs) So once you get into that, that film, it's a Steven Spielberg from the director of speed and it's all the quote-unquote hot young actors around the United States. Well, that gives you heat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So while you're filming it, there's heat. While there's the year in between. So the, when I got home, I started working like a crazy person because everybody knew I had heat. So I was doing guest stars left and right. And um, I did. And, and, you know, if Spielberg liked it, I worked with his friends, which was Drew Barrymore in a couple films and, and Tom Hanks and things like that. So it definitely started it. And then it was just a big movie. But what happens is when the big movie comes out, you know, where is that amazing scene that everybody walks away and goes, this guy is amazing. And the only person who had scenes like that really was Phil Hoffman, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, besides Bill and Helen and Jamie, you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of the team, Bill, Bill was the only one who kind of stood out. And Phil had all these people in New York who wanted to work with him on Independence. And now they could, now they could use him because they go, he's the guy in Twister. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it really helped him, but it helped me too for, you know, like I said, they, they enjoyed working with me and Spielberg's company, like working with me, so I sort of work with his friends. But yeah, I, you know, my commercial career ended with that commercial and then this movie helped, you know, launch me into the acting work for quite a while. You know, I, I, I know what it's like to have heat. You know, when I got back from Twitter and my friend was going, oh, this casting up in a bad mood. Good luck. Good luck. And I'm like, yeah, man, she's really pissed off. And then I'd walk in and I'm like, hello, how are you? It's so good to see you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, you know what it's like to be on both sides. I have one final twister question for you. So yes, sir. we're talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman and his role Dusty in the movie. And I yep. live here in Nashville and there's this big urban legend around um, Garth Brooks and the fact that he allegedly turned down that role because he didn't want to play 
in a movie that the twister was the star of the movie. He didn't want to share the screen with the twister. Do you know if there's any truth to that urban legend? I've never heard of that till you brought it up just now. Never heard of that. That was a rumor that he didn't want to play. (laughs) Oh, I've never heard of that. It doesn't seem to fit the narrative for me only because if you remember Spielberg's whole thing back in the day, was not to work with movie stars. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to work with movie stars. He only wanted to work with, you know, known actors. Bill Paxton was not a movie star. Jamie Gertz was not a huge... I mean, they'd been in movies and obviously worked. Helen probably had the most heat because of her show. Excuse me, her show, The Shoot, right? Mm-hmm. But he always used young actors. He put Vince Vaughn in Jurassic Park 2 because of swingers. He was, he was picking young kind of up-and-coming because it gives them the exposure they need, and they have heat. They have a little bit of heat within the industry, and it helps them get more heat, plus they're cheaper. So it doesn't make sense to me they would have Garth Brooks and Helen Hunt and Will Paxton, because that would cost a lot of money. You know what I mean? Got it. Yeah, there you go. And they wanted to, <laughs> and they wanted to throw all the money on the screen. So it doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. All right. Well, what I want to do next is kind of go through all your big movies and just the fact that, I've seen you in so many things, and I kind of want to talk about all those roles with you. Is that cool? Go for it. Yep. All right. So I'll Absolutely. come back and do that next. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. 
Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're back here with actor Sean Whalen. So is it a fair thing to say that a lot of people may know your face but not know your name? Absolutely. I, a friend of mine, Scott Gimple, who is the showrunner for Walking Dead, we've been friends for, you know, maybe almost 20 years, and he said to me, you're that guy. You're that guy. And so for a while, my handle on all my social media was that guy, Sean Whalen. Um, but then there was a documentary called That Guy, and they had all these character actors, but I was like, these guys are huge names, but I'm an actor, so I would know them. Um, but... I didn't get picked for that documentary. But yes, everybody, you know, for a long time, it was, did you go to my high school? Did you go to my college? <laughs> you know, are you a friend of my cousins? You know, and I say, no, you've probably seen me on TV. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that is definitely a fair statement. And then I remember, I think you did like a YouTube video where you did an apology to like saying that you're not Steve Buscemi. Like, do you still get yeah. that to this day? <laughs> oh yeah. When I do, I do TikTok lives and people will say, you know, you're the guy from Con Air, or you're the guy from Spy Kids, or uh, now I'm getting these funny because Always Funny. They go, Rickety Cricket. They think I'm on, if you know, Always Funny in Philadelphia, the <laughs> character. And I'm like, nope, nope, you know. And they're like, do you know you could be brothers? So I got to do my parody. I Oh, I did one on TikTok about that, about how, how many times do you get told you look like Steve Buscemi? And that Michael Cohen trend that was going around was going a lot of. 20 times? Yes. 30 times? Maybe more. 50 times? 100 times? <laughs> so I used that sound and did a funny thing. All right, so I want to go through some of your biggest uh, movies of the 90s, and I'll give you the movie the year they came out, and you just kind of tell me the one big thing you remember from doing that movie. Cool? Yep. All right, so let's start first with The People Under the Stairs, which came out in 1991. You played Roach. Yeah. First movie, um, I was. it was perfect timing the way my training was going. My, I had a really good coach to help me understand more about this part. It wasn't just this person crawling around the walls, screaming and laughing. And uh, I just remember my friends who were in graduate school, like, going, oh, I hate getting the suits and briefcases and going to these interviews. It's just so weird. And I remember saying, well, I was shirtless crawling around West Craven floors, cackling and laughing and hiding behind the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it was my first feature film and was the movie that got me to quit being awake. What's it like being on a Wes Craven set? Oh, he's such a nice guy. He was just so kind and and mellow and really cared about the actors. That was so wild, you know? It wasn't the let's keep the scares going and the gore coming and things like that. He was like, I want you guys to do a good... He hired actors that cared about the acting, so that was really nice. So I'd have to do emotional scenes, and he would stand and block people from bothering me while I was getting prepared, and, you know, it was really cool. It was wonderful. All right, let's move on to 1992. You were in Batman Returns. You played a paper boy. What do you remember about that one? Yeah, I remember going, we were, we, my ex-wife and I just landed in my family's lake in Malzum Lake, Maine. And I literally sat in the hammock and my mom said, hey, your agent's on the phone. I went, what? And so I called back and they said, Tim Burton, wants, it was Monday. We had gotten there and they said, Tim Burton wants to see you Wednesday morning. So 
I immediately had to drive back to a city. I think I had to get to Boston and fly home. And then I just remember I was trying out one of the evil clowns. And I did something I never do and I never think you should do. He was sitting in a chair and I was getting kind of crazy and I kind of walked up in his face a little bit <laughs> and was being nervous. And I go, Ooh. I mean, I'm thinking back, I can't believe I got hired because that's like a golden rail. But he, but he was really cool. And I just remember doing that movie, the humongous set that was ice cold. Yeah, that's what I want to uh, know. Like, well, how crazy does that set look in person? Because it looks just very comic book like. It was insane. You would walk in and the entire soundstage, you'd walk through those refrigerated, you know, you know those plastic strips that yeah. hang down when you go into like industrial refrigerators. You walk through like two or three rows of that, and you went from 105 degrees to 32 degrees. Wow, it was crazy. It was crazy. A lot of people getting cold. And stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it was not. It was a, such a cool set. And you know, I remember the suits all coming down one time when I was flooding my lines, and they were all staring at me, looking at their watches. And then Tim just kind of burst through. Goes, "Okay, uh, what's going on here?" And then I said kindly, not like frustrated. And I said, "Well," and he goes, "Would you say it like that?" And I go, "No, it's kind of written weird." I'd say like, "Just, just, just do that." And I was like, "Phew!" And I felt really good. And then Alfred the Butler came over and. Uh, he started screwing up his lines, and then Tim Burton walked up and just goes, what's, what's, what's this area right here? This little area right here. No one can remember their lines, and we all laughed. And, but it was nerve-wracking because the suits were, he was way back on a monitor, and they were all standing right in front of us, you know, staring, looking at their watches, thinking, oh, this is burning money. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And then the best story of that was he said, I want to keep Sean on the payroll because we might need him back because I was kind of the voice of the city in reaction to the penguins. And I was done in early October, and he kept me on the payroll till February, early nice. February. <laughs> and when I went into the rap party, he was greeting people. Uh, Tim was standing in front of everybody, and I walked in and said, ah, Sean Whalen, the reason Warner Brothers Accounting hates my gut. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. All right, let's hop over to 1996. You were in that thing you do. You play that heckler in the movie. What do you remember about that? The audition was amazing because I, I just saw all these great character actors. Um, and I was, I went and I remember seeing The Office with Tom Hanks. And I was reading for the, if you remember the movie or know it well, they go to a state fair and there's a big round uh, older guy with gray hair. And he's a mm -hmm. carnival barker going, and here we have the one, you know. And I had those lines. And I was doing it, and I looked over, and Tom Hanks had a paper in front of his face. And when I was done, and it was shaking slightly, and I thought, like, God, is that, that's horrible. Like, he doesn't even want to watch me. He pulled down the paper. He was howling, laughing. <laughs> and he said, I'm so sorry. I just didn't want to distract you. Why well, you got so Tom funny. Hanks to laugh like that? Yeah, yeah, he was laughing. So, And I was literally sitting there thinking, okay, please understand that seeing you laugh is awesome, but seeing like you hold a paper in front of your face makes me think you hate me. But it was very, it was very kind. Yeah, it was very kind. And then I did a TikTok about that as well, about him saying, hey, yell like this. Like, hey, and I go, that's your no crying in baseball yell. Like, I can't do that. He goes, oh, that's just the way I yell. He goes, just, <laughs> you know, do what, do what you do. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I thought he was asking me to try to imitate what he does. And I go, I can't do that. That's your, like, most famous yelling thing that you do. And he was like, oh, no, no, that's just the way I yell. Do your thing. But it was a blast. I had so much fun. Zivon and Ribisi and Zivon and I would hang out. We had so much fun. It was great. And then that was another rap party. And then there was Zivon and Ribisi, Zivon, his wife, and Tom and Rita sitting at a little booth. It was really fun. It was great. 
So also in 96, you were in Men in Black, and you were supposed to have like a bigger role in that movie that ended up being happening, right? Yes. I, that was another one of those like heat things. All my friends were going in and auditioning two floors down, reading for the part, and I was upstairs just being met by Barry Thomas Bale saying, we love you, you've you got the part. <laughs> At the same time, the part was amazing. It was Tommy Lee Jones' assistant. The whole thing was that he could zoom in and out quickly, and um, like in a split second. So Tommy Lee Jones would start pouring uh, coffee in the middle of it, and Wilson would be like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, I would go, Zip, and I'd be standing there with a cup. Uh, I would zip in, and I was always tired. I was always draggled. And I was like, hey, man. But I'd always move really fast. I had a hilarious scene where I was checking in people, like with my deadpan face going, blah, 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 blah. you know, he all these weird language things. It was just, it was the art that at the end when he looks at me and says, and I say, I'm leaving the planet. That's what Tommy Lee Jones changes his mind. You know, mm-hmm. it was a wonderful part. Closed the deal on a Friday. Monday, they said they wrote it out. Oh. Then uh, they said, but again, the accounting cannot justify they had to pay me my deal, the deal closed. And they said they can't justify having you be paid for not doing anything. So I'm in a very tiny scene, pecking in the aliens when they walk through for the first time, him and Will Smith. And, uh, but, you know, I was really sad um, because I, I loved that part. I would have done that part for free. And it was one of the best scripts I had ever read. I was so excited to be a part of it. It was just, I'm glad they kept me in it because the residuals have been pretty good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Because they had to pay me at the rate for the bigger part. Even though I didn't work that much, I had to. But again, I think I would have extended my heat, my heat, heat. I mean, you know, people know who I am and I work and no complaints. It's just there is a heat factor that it would have definitely yeah. kept it going a little longer had I that original role. So then in 1999, you were in Never Been Kissed, and you had already worked with Drew Barrymore a couple of times before that, right? Well, we did a movie called Doppelganger, but I didn't really know. The story behind that is I was, my ex-wife used to work at Fox. Uh, a delivery guy came and she uh, said something my ex-wife said, uh, do you know that your husband's picture is up at Drew Barrymore's Flower Films office, like right prominently over by where the break room is? And I, she's like, what? So she called me, told me that. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to sit around and do nothing. I got to do something fun. I ordered a big basket of milk and cookies, signed it. Thank you so much. I've been a fan. Heard you know who I am or something. I don't even, don't even remember. Sent it over to them. They, uh, the Nancy Devonin, who's now married to Joy, Jimmy Fallon, called me up. She's like, oh, my God, how, we just love you. We love you. Here, you know, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I have a great idea for a movie. And she just come over here right now. I drove that same day. So my ex-wife called me in the morning, told me by the afternoon, I'm sitting in Nancy Bunny's office. Then I walk out of the office and Drew standing there. She's like, oh, my God. So I had no idea how they knew me. I don't know if it was because of Spielberg. I didn't know if it was because of the milk commercial. I didn't know. So we became very friendly then. And then we... They wanted me to do, I had tried out for Steve Buscemi's part in Wedding Crasher. That was another part. Mm-hmm. And between you and me, I know I could have been funnier. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I've seen his performance and people go, I love that part. I go, ah, that's the writing. The writing's amazing for that part. I think I would have been fun. But that's it. He's amazing. I could never take anything away from him. I'm a huge fan and would be honored to meet him. So 
But then they said, do you want to do Never the Kiss? I said, yes. It was one line, me planting her a message with a, bo- on a, with a booger on it. I played Drew's assistant. And then they finally said, what would you want to do? So I said, it would be really funny if the guy thought he was the hottest thing around. <laughs> and his crap didn't stink. And he was amazing. And But he was a copy editor's assistant. So they put me in there. I said, you know, what would you wear? And I said, I have spiked hair, Armani suit, headsets. There weren't a lot of headsets back then. So if you had one, it was kind of high tech. I said, he thinks he's the hottest thing in the world. And he's just kind of a loser. They let me, you know, create all that character. And then when the first, the first day of the first shot of that movie is Drew walking in and seeing me, I'm sitting there and I thought, I'm going to start doing all these lines. And I started spitting out all those weird lines of, you know, the power is powerful and all that other stuff. Like, do you look fat and, or something? Did I look yeah, fat yeah, last yeah. night or yeah, something? Yeah, last time you saw me, yeah, last time you saw me, you, look, you told me I look fat, you know. And I said, oh, can I have that mug? And I'm pointing at the mug like loser or something like that. I love this awesome new phrase. Power is powerful. Total t-shirt, right? Awesome. Amazing. What? Can I get my messages? Yeah. Hey, seriously, last time I saw you, did I look fat? And yeah, so all those things I made up, they say cut, and I go, I mean, they're going to get fired? Or they were like, those are amazing. It was so funny. And they all came over and said, keep writing. Keep writing those lines. Let us know. Let us know. So uh, that's what I did. And my part got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was throughout the whole movie. And it was all stuff that I wrote. So it was wonderful. You know, they kept writing me in. And then that bar scene, none of that was on, none of that was on the, uh, on the, in the script. And then when they were shooting that, they said, oh, do we need to shoot the booger thing? The director goes, oh, we need the thing with the booger. And Drew was like, uh, no, we don't. Sean, would you ever do that? And I was like, ah, she goes, Sean, would you do that? And I said, no. She goes, nope, we're not going to put it in the can. We're not going to let the studio <laughs> see it because they might ruin everything that Sean did to work on this great part. We are not shooting that. It doesn't go to his character at all. Uh, moving on. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah, because if I would have shown what, what she's talking about, people don't understand. The, the studio watches what we shoot during the day. So if they looked at that, they could have said, oh, we like that bugger thing, but it wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so the character, now that you know my character, it wouldn't have made sense that I would do that. They could, but they could, if they wanted to use it, it could, it could undermine the whole character because one executive thought it was funny. So Drew was like, nope, I'm not even giving them the chance. Look at it. So I was just watching the trailer for the new movie you're going to be in with Seth Rogen that comes out on HBO Max on August 6th. Um, yep. You play a scientist in that, and you made the trailer. How cool is it when the movie gets announced and the trailer comes out that like you're in the trailer? I, you know what? It's so weird. I was going to be shocked if I wasn't in the trailer. I normally never think that, but because I'm the exposition for how he comes out of the pickle and pickles that and has lived. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the movie's and, about it's a he's a plays a worker who gets basically dropped into like a thing of pickle. Was it brine or something? Yeah, he's brine, yeah, brine for a hundred years. And then he comes back to life, and he's like playing. Is it like his son in the future? It's and, his grandson. Okay. Yeah, and and so I kind of knew that it would be weird if I didn't because it's such an easy, especially when I shot the line that was in the trailer. It was like. He lived for a hundred years. You know what I mean? It's so explanation, so easy to explain. And I'm the only one in the script who says anything like that, that explains he's lived, you know, he's alive, he's now assimilating. And, and, and you can hear my voiceover saying, we found your grandson. I kind of thought I would be, I, 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 unless they had like a narrator, which they don't do anymore. You know, mm. remember how trailers used to have narrators and talk about stuff? The big movie they, voice they guy do doesn't that. exist anymore. <laughs> 
yeah, that guy doesn't exist anymore. And so I figured that I would be in it, but it was great because it was, I, you know, I never saw the shot of footage, so it was, you know, very cool. I'm not trying to be not humble about it. I just thought I wasn't surprised because they needed some exposition to explain what's going on quickly, and I had that those kind of lines. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm excited so. to see that movie. It looks funny. How, how do you feel about the shift to movies going to streaming and, you know, with, you know, movie theaters being shut down right now? Like, how do you think that will play I mean, out over time? Uh, over time, I mean, I think it will be, I mean, you know, it depends on how long everything takes to get this thing under control, obviously. You know, Spielberg and, and Lucas had a conversation a few years ago and saying, you know, movie theaters going to be like Broadway. It's only going to be for big, big events, you know? like big tentpole movies. And it slowly became that way anyway. There's a few movies that you just have to see in a theater. Like I remember Gravity, a friend was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get the DVD. I was like, no, no, you, if you're, don't see Gravity unless you're going to see it in a theater. It's tough. It's definitely tough because there's such a joy going to a theater. I saw movies that I saw in a theater that I loved because it was a big crowd of people. And then when I saw him at home, it just wasn't the same. You don't have that it, it energy, have that, that feeling. Yeah, that total energy. Like we saw, my daughter and I saw a quiet place at a screening. You know, we hadn't seen it. And we were late to see it. And then I luckily was part of that screening and there was a big group of people. It was so much more fun. And so now my daughter and I love to go to horror movies. Because, you know, this movie they were trying to figure out because it's an odd little tale. So it's, it's kind of fun that it landed here. Um, and and they don't make movies like this anymore. You know, cute little odd stories. You know, it's not a rom-com, right? It's a it's a fable. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it would have gotten eaten up if it was put in the wrong time with the wrong things. And now I think people will really be able to enjoy it. Well, Sean, it's been great talking with you, man. I appreciate the time. Hey, thank you so much. I it, it is weird to think. I was like, wow, I do have a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's so, awesome, man. So where can people yeah, check you well, out? Like, right now, just because create creatively-wise, it's just been so fun. TikTok is the uh, place to check me out. I'm at Sean Whalen, actor on TikTok. Um, I'm going to Instagram. I'm going to start building my YouTube up because in case TikTok goes away. And then, uh, yeah, at Instagram at Sean Whalen, actor. And then my YouTube will slowly be Sean Whalen, actor, but you can look up Sean Whalen and find me on YouTube as well. And then, same on TikTok. And then I'm on Facebook at Sean Whalen Actor as well. There's a page on there. And then we'll all watch American Pickle when it comes out next month. Yes, I'm excited. Fun. It's a fun movie. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. All right, that's the episode for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. A quick bit of movie news before I hop out of here. I was actually talking to Sean a little bit about how he kind of thinks that movies are going to change after this pandemic. And I did see a story come out saying that movie theaters may not reopen until 2021 which doesn't really surprise me anymore. I was seeing how Mulan is still kind of in the balance of it's going to come out or not. All these movies still left to come out in 2020. It's really not known if people are going to be comfortable going into a theater this year. So that doesn't really surprise me that they're thinking now that movie theaters won't reopen until 2021. It kind of makes sense to me because I myself couldn't see myself going into a movie theater right now, seeing things kind of getting worse and kind of spiking in several places across the country. It just doesn't make sense to me and doesn't really feel like it'll keep people safe to put out these movies. What I wonder, though, is how these big movies are going to kind of adapt because they can't really just throw these movies on streaming because they spent so much money on them. I don't think they'll get that money back. I really thought it was interesting what Sean said about 
how it may come to be like movie theaters are like Broadway where only really big movies will be go and get the kind of big theater treatment and everything else will kind of be taking the streaming approach. I think that's actually a really cool way to look at it and a really interesting way to see this all kind of play out. So yeah, like I said, it doesn't really surprise me that it could be until 2021. I think it's kind of sad that we won't be able to go back into a movie theater. But again, you got to keep people healthy. You got to keep people safe. And I just don't think anybody would really feel comfortable going to sit into a theater for two hours with a mask on. So curious to what you guys think about that too. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode until next Monday. Be back here with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit that like and follow button. And I will talk to you guys next week. Later. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.